Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. I am your host, John Williamson. And I'm Adam Narlock. Welcome. We uh, This is going to be uh, the first, actually, of uh, a continuous series of, of special guests that we have on. Uh, Very special know, guests. Some you may just be getting introduced to, but the idea behind it is that we bring in real people who can talk about their real-life deconstructions. Um, and all of them will, will have a kind of a unique, different uh, perspective from um, where they come from and where they ended up. Uh, they're all, they all came from different places, different starting points, and they all ended up in very, very different um, outcomes, I Which guess. Which really serves kind of the point of, like, what we're doing here. Like, this is not supposed to be tunnel vision. This is supposed to be anything but tunnel vision. And, you know, some of the critiques we've already gotten is like, you know, you guys are really Christian. And, you know, I guess our thoughts on that is like, yeah, we are. And so like, we're going to naturally like kind of come from there. We can't really help that. It would be really disingenuous if we tried to act like we weren't coming from there. But at the same time, like we're trying really hard to make sure we welcome lots and lots of different streams, different thoughts in a very open, grace-filled, humble, just conversation where we you know, we've got some tea and some beers on the table here, and we're just talking. And so uh, the guest we have today is a dear, dear friend of mine, and I'm just delighted for all you deconstructionist freaks out there to get to, to listen to this freak right here. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is this guy is uh, definitely responsible for some of the um, grace and humility that I have in my life as far as just conversing with people from different perspectives. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to have you here as a co-host, Jason. So this is Jason Dunlap. Hello. The Jason Dunlap. Yeah, I, I must say it's not the first time I've been introduced as a freak, so I kind of I mean that like really that. endearingly. Well, I know, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and I think as this podcast goes on, our listeners will agree that that is a compliment and a fact. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I I own that completely. The, the pleasure that. I'm yeah. going to get from this interview, though, is the fact that he also knows you equally as well. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, oh yeah. There's already been some. Oh, some, dude. There's some, some humbling. There is some. Some <laughs> some whiskey has been drank. Yes. Some campfires have burned down to the embers. Yes. And and we have had some long and full conversations over the last. I think I've known you like ten years. It's, now. it's been. I was thinking about that on the drive down here today. It, it's been ten years. And uh, which one, means you're like 25, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, it's an interesting thing. The the we joke you old, make, man. just about being 25, because you know when we met at that point in time, you know I was in a much different place than I am now. Yeah. Ten, ten years later. That's I mean, what I want you to talk about. Yeah. Just get I, into it, man. Yeah. Go, my, go. Miles and miles away. Go. Do your thing. Um, okay. Well, uh, I guess for my upbringing, uh, I have a you know Midwestern upbringing. Was born and raised in in Ohio. Uh, over in the Toledo area, and I was raised in a very—I um, use the word staunch loosely, but a very uh, serious Catholic upbringing. Okay, uh, I went to Catholic elementary school. Had to go to church twice a week during school. Had to do Sundays. We were there every single week. Yeah, I was an altar boy. Had to do all of those. You things. were an altar boy. I know, right? Ten years. I did not know that. Yeah, I was did an you, altar boy. Did you ever have your hands I'm gonna slapped by a ruler by a nun, though? That's the question. <laughs> I had, That's what I, I see on TV. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. What I yeah, I actually had the back of my thighs slapped. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I, That's I guess hardcore. Borderline child abuse, yeah. isn't it? The biggest irony is that her name was Sister Joy. Ah. Oh. Right. Yeah. She was. She was the principal of our school. Uh. At. Uh. And she was a very nice lady. And granted, I. I guess I had it coming to me. I'm not one that believes. You got a little in corp- Adrian Peterson by that nun. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I, true. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not. Did it make you a better running back though? That's the question. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
obviously because yeah um no i i think you know i i guess that that was that, but that was also i now in terms of thinking back on instances like that i i don't blame her for something like that because that right is on. that's what she was that's what she was brought up yeah, in right. you know and and a lot of times within that particular faith there was a lot of, I mean, corporal punishment and there was that fear mongering. And, you know, if you totally. do this, then this will happen. If not, then this is going to happen. Yeah. And that became something that as a child being just sort of uh, up, you know, brought up in that in that way and having that ingrained in you, that just becomes reality. That becomes second nature. You don't start to question any of those things at all. Not at all. So I went about I went about my, you know, day to day normal life. And then when I was 12 years old, I've, I've, I can actually sort of pinpoint the moment in which I kind of started to actually open up that, that valve, so to speak, on questioning what sort of everything that, it, that had been put in front of me. Yeah. And the episode that happened is when I was 12, my father passed away. Oh, right. And he was sick for a long time. And, and those are, you know, feelings that I've long since dealt with. Yeah. But when he was 12, he passed away. And all of a sudden there was just this massive void. You know, I'm, I'm a, 12 year old boy coming up into adolescence going through puberty yeah and to sort of not have that father figure right in front yeah. of me anymore it's a tough blow dude tough sure. to take. yeah so i went through the rest of my upbringing through junior high and high school just as a typical you know adolescent idiot boy you know chasing girls and do, doing whatever <laughs> you know trying to sneak a prefrontal cortex just wasn't there yet completely not. just wasn't no, there yet no yeah. i think that only happened to me probably finally what am I, 34? And I'd say <laughs> at about maybe 28, that starts to sort of happen yeah, with yeah. your cerebral cortex, actually. Yeah, yeah kind of kicks it his, into warp drive. Kicks it into warp yeah. drive. Yeah, yeah. He's like, Whoa, you're an idiot. Slow down. <laughs> slow down. Slow down. Um, and so what happened, though, is all through you know my upbringing through high school, I started to formulate in my own head lots of different questions. Just a lot of those why questions. Totally, you know, man. I was it taught drove you. I was taught that an omnipresent, omniscient, omnibenevolent God was my creator. Mm. Well, a God that's all loving wouldn't kill someone's dad, right? Like yeah, those those right. kinds Dude, of questions. Yeah. You yeah. Know? How do you you can't come how on. do you do that? And that's legit. If God's yeah. omniscient and knows everything, then this is my twelve year old or my fifteen year old self talking. Sure. If God is omniscient and knows everything, then he knew that my dad was gonna die and he knew that I would be sad. God's kind of a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Like, what a jerk. What a jerk. Yeah. And the problem, though, is that I would ask these questions. Who can't relate to that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would go through and I would ask these questions to my teachers and to other clergy that were around. And oh. I was really, uh -oh. I was really taught like, we don't, we don't ask those kinds of questions. Yeah. Like, right. how dare you? It's all in God's plan. Yeah. Right. You're like, don't you know this? Which by is now, the Jason? world's worst twelve-year-old boy? That is an awful answer. It's a terrible yeah, it's a answer. answer. It's a, a shame. It's, it's actually an answer wrapped in shame. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's shame. Well, it's maybe more like shaming wrapped in an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like and that's a part you. of it too. You do start to feel shamed for asking those questions. Right. It's like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should just blindly walk through this and have that sort of blind faith mentality about myself. So I just kept quiet about it. Right. I still went to church every weekend with my mom. I still did all of that thing because I knew, you know, she got great joy from that. Sure. And then I went to college and I became a philosophy major. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I will never forget. Dun, dun, dun. I, I will never forget the day when I'm 19 years old. I'm sitting in a philosophy 101 course and and the, the instructor walks in. And before he even says anything to anyone, he just goes to the front board and just writes, God is dead, which we all know is a Nietzschean quote. Right, right. right. I didn't have any context for that. He wrote that on the board and I just sat there and just said, no shit. <laughs> <laughs>
Wait a minute. You got can my in, attention. You can come in here and say that? You can say that? Yeah. It's okay to it's say college. It. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was like, you're in college. <laughs> um, and so then after that point, I just fell into the deep end. And the thing that... Also something I think a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. You get to college you're and no matter what, you yep. know, even if you didn't have a tragedy when you were, you know, that age. Right. You hear answers, you accept them because, you know, maybe, you know, if your parents were like most, they probably don't want you to argue with them or mm -hmm. question. And so you repress all that. You get a little shamed. Yep. That shame actually compounds because shame is so attached to our identities. That's why it's different from guilt. Guilt's like, I, did, I screwed up. Mm -hmm. Shame is like, I'm a bad person. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You start judging yourself. Right. Yeah. And then you get to this open university. Mm-hmm where people are talking and asking questions, and I yeah. think everybody's had an experience like yours. Yeah, and the interesting thing to me, what, what drew me so much to that way of thought was not only were people asking questions, but holy moly, people have answers. Yeah. They might be right or wrong, that doesn't matter. They're answers. Yeah. They're answering these questions. They're sitting there and they're taking the time to use our rational brains, which I think is also our biggest detriment <laughs> for other reasons <laughs> that I'll get to probably later. Yeah. But we're able enabled to use our rational brains and formulate answers. Yeah. And as I said, right or wrong, otherwise it doesn't matter. I just gravitated to mm. the fact that Oh my gosh! Answers are actually out there. People are people are yeah. people have been having this dialogue for what? Oh, three thousand years. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes at that point. Would that start to almost alleviate some of that shame at that point? Then, like, if if, if you've felt bad for so long about having questions, and then you're like. Wait, there's not only other people questioning, but there's they're answering and they're talking and they're Oh, absolutely. This is okay. Absolutely. But the thing where that sort of path then led me though is it definitely led me towards that path of just, you know, stage 1 being anger. You know, I oh, I, I would get yeah. I would get these answers and I would say, "Okay, yeah, no, that that's a that's a really great idea. These people are answering questions that I've been asking myself for the past, you know, X amount of years. Mm. I'm now seeing the answers, and oh wow, these answers actually fire me up. Yeah. And now, and now I feel the need because I haven't been able to speak for so long. I'm going to get on my high horse, and I'm going to call you an <laughs> idiot, and yeah. I'm going to be really judgy, and I'm going to start saying Turned all into these what things. you hated it, yeah. completely. One hundred, one hundred percent. And oh, I think, oh, that's good stuff, man. I think that's so typical too of of so many people when they when they go off to school, right? They go to college mm -hmm. and they they take a couple <laughs> oh, philosophy yeah. courses. Oh yeah, and like you know, they're like, I know it all. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And then you start yelling at all the other people for being stupid. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. yeah, you yeah. Know, and, totally, and I man. did that. You yeah, know, that was me. It's like you're trying to always pat yourself on the back for being the only person that thinks. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like I I'm the up. I'm the only one that thinks. You it's know? like no, no, no. Don't stop there. You should you should keep learning. You should keep going and, and, and stop yeah. yelling at people. Yeah, you got you have to <laughs> oh, you have to keep stuff, going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I I think that we once once we're sort of giving that answers and and I, I think like let me let me backtrack a second to the point that you just made, how saying you feel like everyone goes through this, mm. right? I think that it is necessary and it's fundamental for everyone to go through that process because I feel like true deconstruction cannot start to happen unless you go down a path of suffering in some sort of way. Ooh, who, says Rollins. Rollins. Who's, Pete Rollins. who says that? Pete oh, Rollins, a little roar. Lots of thinkers. Yeah, oh. roar, Pete Rollins. I, there, it goes across the board. But yeah. I mean, you could let's even take it all the way back to the to the Buddhist concept of dukkha. You know, I mean, a very rough, very wrong, wrong translation of the word is suffering. But actually, on the way down here, my friend Dave and I were having this conversation, and I was actually we started talking about this basic concept, and and I was like, you know, it's it's important to not think of suffering as just 
constant pain and I am having pain done onto me. The, a brilliant metaphor for it is just the wheel out of kilter where, yeah, the cart still pushes and it goes along, but every once in a while you hit that bump. Mm. And then you're thinking about when's the next bump going to happen and then when's it going to happen again. And as we constantly, if we don't start to recognize that suffering exists, I, the Buddha said it, Jesus said it. Absolutely. They all, every great prophet and mystic, one thing they all agree on all is, is, hey, guess what, guys? Yeah. Suffering is everywhere. Yeah. We all everywhere. suffer. And it's inescapable for the most part in, in, the, in the concept that we're talking about. Like you're not going to ever stop experiencing pain, uh, discomfort, um, heartache, betrayal. No. Like if you're alive, you are going to experience dissonance. Absolutely. It's Ab going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just the way things are. It's the, it's it's the, the way, way it's the way it things is. are. And when people get too wrapped up in that side of it, right. you know, of just, of just this never ending pain. Okay. So the way I'm going to get around the pain is I'm going to continuously construct. I'm going to keep building and building and building. Then you start Almost to throw, insulating. Absolutely. Well, because then you start throwing your biases into it. You throw your labels into it. Oh, and yeah. once you start to go down that road. Ego. It completely. Your ego takes over. And at that point, then you've built walls around you. And then that's when you are in that position of I'm right. You're wrong. You're an idiot. I have all the knowledge that I need to keep right. going. I'm just fine. Leave me alone. I'm going to live my life and try not to suffer. Not wow. to pass judgment, but you're doing it all wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and and you're still doing it. You know, I think um, I think when we get to we get to interview Pete Rollins uh, on Monday, so I'm trying to brush up on some of our Pete Rollins. But one of the things that uh, this philosopher Pete Rollins says is by being so defensive, all you're saying is I'm not sure that I do believe this. Right. I'm not sure that I am okay. I'm probably not okay, and so I need lots and lots and lots of defenses. It's like he, he likes it to almost like the person that's like constantly putting Facebook posts or Instagram posts up of how happy they are. Oh, yeah. Yep. Narcissistic. Yeah. It's like you're just proving that you're not. Right. You're just putting on a front. Yeah. It's all of your as uh, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to quote John John Mayer, if I may. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> I remember years and years ago when he first came out, he was talking about how when you first start dating somebody yeah it's like you're you're showing her all of your best movies yeah 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 you're like oh you know all your art school flicks. oh yeah and then when you finally get to know each other then you see all oh weekend at bernie's what <laughs> oh easy there weekend at bernie's is a masterpiece yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> easy maybe not the sequel though that's awesome yeah, weekend, at, no, weekend I, at bernie's too i'll give you yeah, yeah. And, and one of the things that uh you know i i've got i've learned a lot from some of these guys on both sides of the equation but like a lot of these debates that happen out there from you know the Christian apologetic standpoint, or you know the, the strong rationalistic atheist standpoint, that they are just fired up, red faced. We were talking about fist pumping. Oh yeah, it's like, aren't you just demonstrating your insecurity at this point? Aren't you just demonstrating? It's a little immature. It's like, it looks like you're trying to convince yourself. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right. Well, I think that you know, any time that you hold on to any sort of particular view, no matter what it is. What you're trying to do is you're trying to freeze reality at this point, mm, right? And you're one. trying to encapsulate the world just in almost in just like a photograph. This is good here now. Yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, eventually the, the logical conclusion of what's going to happen is that one day Adam's going to come to me and say, hey, look at the photo I took and I encapsulated. Yours is different than mine. 
and they're eventually going to butt up against one each, you know, against against yeah, each other. Now, which photo should we like? Exactly. Which photo should we look at? But then after that, what's going to happen is all these various views are going to start to divide us all into different camps. And once we divide ourselves into different camps, then it becomes insulated and just like, well, our group, yeah, we're we're totally right. It's this country club mentality. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh. And I don't care where you're coming. Yep. If you're a person <laughs> of faith, yep. if you're an atheist, if you're any sort of walk of life, to hold on to any sort of particular view. You're, you're freezing reality and you're losing the concept of just the basic moment, which at its core, what we're all trying to do is just try to find that level of pure observational subtlety. That's what it's all about. That's, mm. in my opinion, that's, that's where sort of that idea of um, divinity actually, actually come, comes into play. Talk more about that. I haven't heard that concept before. Just Okay, well, let me, I'm gonna use it, I'm gonna put it in terms of an analogy, okay? Um, because it all starts it all starts with actually being able to uh kind of have it in um in the way of kind of seeing things in a right way but right in a non-dualistic way so almost like okay. seen versus not seen so it's not necessarily right or wrong yeah not in terms okay. of right or wrong just That's the right dualistic. just the, exactly just right in terms of the kind of seen versus not seen a really good analogy for example uh is let's say we see a puma and we see a puma and it's stalking a deer well, all of a sudden, in our in our hearts, we want to call out to the deer to escape, right? right? Because we 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 when we see the puma eventually pounce on the deer, our heart sort of goes out to the deer, and we're like, "Oh, that poor deer got eaten by the puma." Right. So what we then do is we then try to look for a way to protect the deer. So maybe we put bells on on the puma so that when the puma comes up, we know that the deer can escape. What eventually happens then is that the deer escape from the puma, and then the puma dies. That's really sad. But after the puma dies, then the deer population themselves, because they no longer have a natural order at uh, all, they yeah. start to overgraze the land, they overpopulate, and eventually they starve themselves out yep. into into it. And the whole lesson is that... That's good stuff, man. Well, the whole lesson is that we, we believe that by helping the deer, we're expressing compassion. But and compa we're right. And we're right. But the yeah. thing is that compassion compassion has to be balanced out with wisdom. And the wisdom lies in seeing both the seeing, puma seeing. and the deer oh, that's good. at and, the and same time. And all the time. other complexities that all go into it. Exactly. It's, it's constantly broadening your worldview and seeing more and more and more and how it all goes together. Well, you have to see how the two fit into the seamless whole. Yes. Yeah. Gosh, that's, that's all that stuff. it is. That's good stuff. Man. So I definitely want to go back to... Uh, when you when you mentioned dualistic thinking, I think that's yeah. not something we've really addressed so far. Yeah, no, we've just mentioned show, it. But mm -hmm. but Adam and I are, are, are huge proponents of of discussing uh, dualistic thinking right. and, the, and the negative aspects of that. B before you get into that, though, competitive and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, black or white. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. right or wrong. In or out. Before we jump into that, though, to kind of bring you back to to your your original story. So yes. Um. So so you're in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're starting to go through these these struggles and these doubts. So so where did you go from there? Obviously, you kind of yeah. you said you kind of uh, just kind of destroyed everything almost. Yeah, I kind of look at it in terms of where I just decided just I lit the whole room on fire. Yeah, you know, I I was just at, at after after a while, I was just like, you know what, it's all bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I kind I kind of hit yeah. that sort yeah. of like that sort of uh, new liberation. Yeah, yeah. Forget all of it. Forget all of it. So light the whole room on fire. And right, then after right. the dust sort of settled, I, you know, had a much sort of clearer view of things and and then I found my my path was I found insight mindfulness meditation for me. I actually took I was as I said a philosophy and English literature major. 
uh, my senior year of college, I, I took a, it was a, like a philosophy 460 and it was the philosophy of meditation. Wow. And I was like, I was like, it's so like, like Eastern philosophy. Yeah. But I was like, I was like, well, I love philosophy. At this point I was a much more in tune with the existentialists. Excuse me. And, um, and, and so I, I was kind of in this more of this world of, uh, of, of, you know, Camus and Simone de Beauvoir and, you know, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre and everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I decided just to take this philosophy meditation course because my friend Mitch was also in it. And he's like, I think it'll be kind of cool. And, and we've never studied Eastern philosophy. And so I did, I dove in and the instructor's name, his name is Marvin Belzer. And Marvin, I don't know where you are, but to this day, I have forever in immense gratitude oh, for, awesome. for, for what for what you did. But uh, I took just took a course and it was just understanding the basic point of what you need to do is just stop all the clutter mm, if you can yeah. just if you can find an actual point to just stop the clutter and actually discover that world of subtlety you know i mean that's the discovery of the soul by any sort of mystic and oh saints, that is so good right man. that's what they were discovering in mystic saints whoever is they were discovering the the subtlety they were discovering the world of discrimination and discernment you know which that is then going to lead you into a world that's being seen with much greater clarity yeah, yeah. because because you're you're out at this point you're outside of that dualistic thinking and just kind of harp onto that point you asked you know the from a standpoint of dualism or dualistic thinking at its core the brain itself is a binary system yeah it's just yeah, how yeah. we absolutely it's how we the world it have is, to it exactly we i could not have driven here from two hours north no without a dualistic mind right turn right. left turn right speed up slow so down it's our lizard yeah. brain right so, it's, so at points yeah. in life what you're saying is is there's a necessary time to think in a dualistic way there have to be. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. world, you would not be able to. You wouldn't I mean, be able to function. No, right. unless unless I decided to move to Burma and don robes <laughs> and just meditate and bliss out in the hills. Yeah. <laughs> let the, and let the world go to hell. Yeah, just yeah. let yeah. the world fall apart. Not, yeah. not exert. Don't experience yeah. it. Yeah, just, just not yeah. exert sort of my. Total escape is total detachment. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Which there's a lot of beauty in that. Sure. There's a lot Dude, of beauty in sounds that. Sounds beautiful to me, man. <laughs> We're in Ohio winter right yeah. now. And oh, so, sucks. And yeah. so what I was so what I was getting, and I'll go back to the dualistic thinking in a moment, but to wrap up my sort of uh, lineage to this point. Yeah. So yeah. what I learned throughout that just that very basic philosophy of meditation course was just that, hey, here's all of the you know the eastern philosophy about the non-dualistic teachings and about the, the blissing out and finding that world of discernment and this world of subtlety but there's also a way that we can still live this life in a western culture and that's what i was trying to wrestle with because mm. i was like you can't have it both ways for yeah. a long time it's either or yeah and it's and one day i just i woke up one day and and <sighs> and i was able to finally look at myself honestly and at strip away everything that was inside of me and look at the gross, you know, everything that's inside of Jason and all the joy and beautiful thing that's inside of Jason and say, yeah, you can absolutely do this. And you don't wow. need to be doing it in terms of, like I said, running off to the mountains for four years and forgetting <laughs> everything and everyone that you've ever known and loved. There are still certain ways you can do it. Something as simple as pulling up to a red light and closing your eyes and focusing on your breath. Guess what? You've just touched the infinite in that sort of. Way. Oh, wow. that is good stuff, man. <laughs> right, that is good stuff. <laughs> it's it's it, it's that it's That's some it's juice. That simple. The problem, the, <laughs> the the prob the problem though is that is that we we get and I'm definitely guilty of it is that we we leave the realm of that moment 
and we we feel the need to input our own biases and we feel the need to put our own labelings mm. and everything and once you start to label things and and enforce your biases on it all meaning is lost that's why like my, my i actually made a joke to that's cool to, man i made yeah. a joke to my friend on the way down here just totally constricted it at that point yeah well You've i wrapped it in your ego well yeah. yeah the thing is i made this joke on the way down here talking with my buddy dave and our about, studio audience of one right now yeah that's right but about how um you know my heart goes out to someone like your father john who's a pastor and you adam who's a pastor because man, every job, uh, every day on Sunday, it's a minefield because yeah, your yeah. job, your job mm -hmm. is to put words to unknowable things. On, so true. Dude. And as soon as you that do that- is all, agonizing. As soon as you do that, all meaning becomes lost. It yes. Is, it is agonizing. Yes. I can't, I can't, I can't describe let me, to let me you- say, let, me, let me just, here's the only way that I continue to be able to do it because I reached a point and this is, I, I don't want this to be about me, but that's a great point and I, I'd like to say something about it. I got to the point where I was like, I can't, I can't be an answer man. I can't be an answer man. I don't, I don't have the answers. I have things I believe, I have things I've experienced, I have things that I even think are true. But as soon as I start to try to give it to somebody in that way, I become an answer man and I can't yeah. do that. So what? The only place that I could get that I actually surrendered and and feel very uh, authentic and and real in in how I do that is just like you were talking about breath. One of the things in the Judeo Christian tradition that I absolutely love is that when God is named, He is named by breath. So Yahweh, Yahweh, is literally just Hebrew for it's breath, mm -hmm. it's breathing, it's and spirit, pneuma, uh, uh, ruach, it's. All these names for God is just breath. breath. And so wind, you know, in the New Testament. And I just, if that's where the meaning is, and that's where I believe it is, I let it blow through me, blow into others, and I don't, I don't worry about it because you know you know what's happening. I just don't worry. It's not my yeah. job. Because yeah. when you're able to actually pull the word out, like away from it, and you're actually just seeing that moment for just its unique specificity at that point in time you're seeing past the world of tall and short and good and bad and being and non-being and true and untrue that's so good man you you are there at that point yeah you are right there we're always right there we're here right we are right we, we're right here right um so for me having these it was the first time in my life during that class as well that that old meditation course i took that uh I actually had, it's ironic we were talking about not labeling, but I have to label, I guess. In terms of, <laughs> you can't avoid it, man. I know, because okay. then it kills all meaning. But it's the first time that during that class that I had actually had um, a spiritual episode, I suppose you would call it, for at its core, for, for lack, <laughs> oh, for lack of a better word. Look at you trying word. to put words to that. You I can't. I, I yeah. can't. And that's the yeah. thing, because the second that I said that, I was like, you sound lame. Like that uh, wasn't. You sound like you sound like you're back to that old place, you know, that you ripped to shreds and burned down a long time ago. And it, and I feel like I sound like I'm better than the person that hasn't had it, or, right? You know, and that's not it at all. I like, know, that's, man. That's the struggle yeah. with language. That's yeah. not it at all. But but I started to have these moments of where, and there's there's no way to describe it because you don't realize that it happened until it's over, and that's the most beautiful thing about it because at the moment when it's happening. You're not thinking about the you're moment in and when it's happening. You're yeah. just you're in just that in moment. It. You're in that moment. That's why it's beautiful. And so I set myself out as a goal. I have no shame in saying it. I was like, man, I want to feel like this all the time. Yeah. But who what I, but what I'm doing then 
Do you see what I'm doing You're then? Chasing now? it. You're I'm chasing it. it. I'm passing. I'm putting yeah. judgments on myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm making it attainable or or unattainable. It becomes like the little game mousetrap. I have to do this, and that touches that, and that touches that, and then yep. I, you know, and then I get the cheese. And that brings us you know? back to the curse of my rational dualistic mind. This <laughs> this binary system. That is the way that we have to see the world. Would you say that your philosophical training... Um, it taught me to actually recognize dualism. Uh, it taught me I was to, wondering if it actually like enabled the dualistic thinking. No, it, you, we don't need that enabled. That's within us no matter okay. what. I think what it did for me is that it made me observant of the cool. dualistic that's, nature that's of, cool. of things. I was, I was yeah. curious about you know, that. Of, of just even the concept, like the existential thought of, of for itself versus in itself. Like just looking at that aspect mm. splits things into two, right? Mm. But being able to just observe that we are in this dualistic mind, I feel like gives you the master key it's to, awareness. Then, to then open up that valve sure. to find that level in between tall and short, bad and good, black and white, Democrat, Republican, being and non-being, truth and untruth. Absolutely. It's all right there. Absolutely. You have to be able to see yourself. Yeah, because the problem with that dualistic thought is that it, it is inevitable and we've already talked about this, but I think it's a very important point. It's inevitable that you're eventually going to take sides and you're going to make these judgments on right. things, right? Yeah. And every great spiritual teacher and mystic and saint, they all said, don't don't judge, right? Right. But if we were going to, I think, take it one step further, it's just don't label. That's wow. that's oh, just yeah. that's just it. Never and heard it put that way before. Just yeah. don't label. And you know, an interesting thing that that I love I love Richard Rohr's quote about how <laughs> Oh, now you're talking my language. I love this. I love yeah. this because this speaks to this point. The p people use the Bible as a personal fortune cookie. Oh, yes. dude, yep. I hate that so much. That that phrase or that, uh, that they no, people do I, it. The fortune <laughs> yeah. cookie thing, man, it just drives me bonkers. But it's true, right? It's he's so right. true. He's right. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's completely right. He's completely right. right. We use the Bible to affirm our own biases and our yeah. you know yep. and, and our own labeling. Absolutely. And the brain and the ego, they love to label. They do yep. it naturally. Yep. In a really like infantile way yeah. but we do it yeah yep. it's all that we can it's it's all i shouldn't say it's all we can do but it's it's what we naturally do is, right. is we have to we choose we label these things yeah you're with us or you're against us yeah you know it's it's just these the 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 it's the basis of all biases is the fact that we sit and inevitably label everything all the time mm -hmm. completely yep. and we're totally unconscious completely of most of the time. and then and then to take it one step further the, the problem then that i think starts to happen is that we we take? Uh, I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a step back. Am I all over the place? No. You all right. We good. Yeah, you're okay. going. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Go, man. <laughs> now I'm being judgy on myself. Uh, no, I think that you know, I I as I said before, my other path in in when I was when I was an undergrad and also you know throughout like post grad studies was also literature. I I I've really I'm I really feel that that the the only way the only way for us to um, put a uh, meaning in terms of like our vocabulary and the words and the things yeah, that yeah, we say. Yeah. The only way for us to kind of draw meaning out of that that infinite sort of space, that 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 space in between the tall and good and, yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. that, that sort of level of discernment is through myth and story, story. and parable. I completely agree. And, and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. We yep. need we need this we need these stories because that's what helps us process the world, the universe, the the whatever label you want, the because you're the trying to say what can't be said. Exactly, right. it's how we process the idea of the infinite, or in it's a Christian like, thought of God, or yeah. you know, of, of anything. And I 
I find that the the only thing that what I discovered and what I've really kind of come to terms with is that the only thing that religion is capable of, in my opinion, is metaphor, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that should be its only job. Its only job should be in metaphor. Just just making that assertion alone, I feel would help. Well, there's humility in admitting that. They they would help. That would help so many religions. Just asserting there is the fact. So much humility. Just in asserting the that. fact that our job is capable of metaphor, and this is how we should should teach these things and, but but the thing that people don't get then because you just probably fired up every conservative listening to this even though i <laughs> love what you're saying because when a conservative hears that they're going well you're saying it's not true then if it's not metaphor and what i think you're probably saying is no no no, it's, it's more, more true. than true it's more than it's true more well, than no just no factually it's, true it's not even more than untrue it's beyond truth and, and non-truth it's beyond it i was trying to go baby steps for no, it's it's beyond <laughs> the point of truth and untruth but it's and, not less than true no i most people hear metaphor from a conservative mindset. I know because I was one and right. still fight that. And they go and I go, Oh, you're just you're saying it didn't happen. You're saying it's not true. You're saying it's just a yeah, that, that just modern fairy interpretation tale. of the word and it's metaphor. Like, no, no, right. no, 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 no. Right. It's more than it's not less than that. It's more than that. You a can't deeper, with a deeper one of the truth. things that I had to finally get through my thick dualistic skull is that propositional truth claims don't communicate full truth. Literal they truth. Can't. Literal truth is the lowest form lowest of meaning. Lowest form yeah. of yeah. truth. It's the lowest form of meaning. That oh, and that was such a and you know what I would, you skull know what? opening, wonderful encounter yeah, for me that I was like, man, I can wow, think I can about just it in terms, breathe for a second well, after yeah, something you something like that. For, think about it in terms of this. Once we're past the point, let we, we get past the point of, you know, something I feel like our our, our rational minds can't comprehend is the idea of death. But once we meet that yeah. end and we are past the point of analysis and we're past the point of rationalization, does something like the virgin birth being literal mean anything at that point? Because you're beyond it now. You're beyond it. You're beyond it now. You're in the reality itself. Yes. Yes. And that is a reality that is obtainable right now and in like this very moment. And like anybody that doesn't even, isn't even comfortable, like, you know, people are listening to this and they're like, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that. Okay, well then I would just invite them to at least say, just imagine for a second that you're past all that. Mm -hmm. Imagine just for a second that you're beyond textbooks of systematic theology or philosophy of what's true and what's not true. Absolutely. Let's say someday you're beyond that. You're going to look back and wish you hadn't spent as much time arguing about it. No. Right. Absolutely not. You wish you didn't spend that. Yeah. Or, or you know, it's um, uh, Eckhart Tolle's amazing quote about, you know, the, the rational mind is only capable of two things. And that is worrying about and planning for the future mm -hmm. or yep. endlessly processing the past. Totally. Right. And it's totally true. It's completely true. It's totally true. And when we get into that line of thinking oppositional thinking especially yeah all that that's doing is giving a false sense of superiority I to your ego i completely agree i'm measuring myself against you completely I'm measuring my rightness yeah about how much i think i can humiliate you or yeah. make you feel stupid and so i sit and welcome the the you know the, the we keep using the fundamentalist as an example i welcome them to come you know i love those conversations i don't absolutely i'm, I'm past You've the point always been, you were patient even with me uh, in you know the early days that we met, yeah, yeah, and it was just wonderful. It's because I because I I this is gonna maybe give across that false sense of ego superiority, <laughs> but I've been able to 
move past the point of arguing because I see because yeah. I've I've sort of felt and I'm labeling it again, but but I've I've touched what else is what else is there. You've, and, had, you've had that, ex- that and, transcendence and the whole it's, idea. I mean, that's why we call it transcendence, transcendence right? What's it yeah. transcending? It's what like what it's transrational. It's transrational. Right? You can't. You can't, you can't rationalize. Yes, it. mm-hmm. you, it's beyond. It's and that's beyond around us all the time. Like we yeah. are sitting in that right now. Yeah. So okay, so you're in college. Eastern mysticism. The dualism is getting challenged. You're opening up. You you had an experience, and then you know how much later did I meet you? A few years later after that. After uh, yeah, because I went and I moved out west for a you were while. In Portland, Seattle, Seattle. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, then I came back to Columbus. Not back to, I moved to Columbus. You moved to Columbus. And then that's when we had met in 2005. 2005, okay. we met. And where were you sort of, uh, you know, belief-wise or, you know, how did you look at things back then? <laughs> and then take take us a look, because I, I got to experience kind of that part of the journey, so I'm a little bit more familiar with that, but I think that's good stuff for, for the listeners. Yeah. As far um, as continuing the deconstruction, reconstruction. Yeah, so I, I at that point in time when I moved out west, I was still, uh, and I still do, I, I was practicing um, just mindfulness meditation every day, uh, anywhere from five minutes to 50 minutes, and I was going on retreats, and I was doing the, you know, the weekend of you don't talk for a few days, and you're kind of really kind of pushed in upon yourself, and you know, it's kind of uh, up to you to kind of touch those different levels of reality and those different levels of, of the infinite and the unknown. Sounds great. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, 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 it, it is. I don't, I don't want to say good, bad or otherwise, but it's, right. it is what it, it is, yeah, is yeah. what it is. Yeah. And, um, and so when I moved back to Columbus or moved to Columbus, I should say, um, I, I kind of still kept, I kept that spiritual practice alive and kind of going every day because at that point, I felt that, you know, the I was ask, starting to ask myself, like, why am I taking on a spiritual practice? Huh. You know, I started, I started to doubt myself. I started to question myself, like, why? Okay, so why am I, why am I doing this? And, you know, I think it, the goal is just to become more aware of when and how we act out of our own intent. And I wanted to wrap my own brain around that. I wanted to understand yourself. I wanted to understand myself more. Yeah. Why, yeah, why do I act and feel the same ways and why do we always have to act out of our intent and i felt that a mindful spiritual practice was bringing pure awareness to it um and then i had kids and gorgeous kids thanks gorgeous kids they're rad uh and they're old now but they're rad but uh (laughs) but they um you know upon having my son as an infant and then for someone who had for someone who had kind of left and and had that whole kind of you know Catholic upbringing yeah, yeah. and seeing, you know, God and, or, you know, being told I would see God, I should say, right. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then going into my own sort of atheist hole of, I hate everybody <laughs> and then sort of opening myself up. Into, You're in the absurd, right? Yeah. The absurd. Oh, we I'll, used to talk about the absurd all the time. Oh, I'll still talk about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love that stuff. It's beautiful. It's yes. a beautiful way of seeing the world. But, You're um, in that existential, uh, more atheistic. Uh, I'm still in that existential. Yeah, yeah. Well, right, right. I'm trying to put uh, some terms that maybe listeners would be familiar with, as far as like thinkers. Um, kind of, yeah. Kind of, where were you, like, as far as like your thoughts? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I started to after having my son and seeing him. That sort of, uh, I, I hit that that sort of next level 
of experience and reality that the rational mind can't understand. Mm. Right? Oh, yeah. Yep. And, you know, there are those things. There's, you know, love and death and the idea of the infinite mm. and life and actually really seeing life happen. And that whole moment of just like, oh, shit, you're mine. Yes. <laughs> that whole... Dude. That, that whole moment. You just got every parent listening to this right now. Oh. We still don't get it. No, nope. you, you never will. No. Nope. You, you absolutely never will. I, I, don't, I don't want to because no. I, yeah. you experience everything for what it is. But anyway, seeing like that, a moment like that, that's what made me start to get into that mindset of, you know, I got back in my own head a little bit more of questioning. Mm. And then, and then that sort of led me down the road of more like analytical philosophy. Mm. And I was like, and then I got too wrapped back up in my own head again. And then I started reading a lot of postmodern philosophy getting back much more into my head again yeah <laughs> um that was actually around the time when i first discovered derrida and deconstruction and yeah, yeah. difference okay. and yeah all that kind of yeah stuff. absolutely um and 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 so he's a big name around here yeah he's a big name derrida. just a little well, deridian just because yeah. we stole his word <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah. I yelled at for it <laughs> and did. then kind of changed it and didn't really do what he was doing with it but no. kind of yeah, a little we get yelled at sometimes yeah really well, a little bit people, Adam has people get mad <laughs> that's okay yeah but I guess <laughs> but then what I what I what I started to really do is is that I you know after then kind of going through that journey for a couple of years then I met you and a lot of now that I if I look back and and kind of um analyze kind of those conversations yeah you know one of the things that i appreciated so much about our old dialogues is mm -hmm. that to me it was just like brilliant sparring you're like a brilliant so fun you're man. just like a brilliant sparring partner oh uh, you're too kind and well you also keep going you i'll, I'll keep <laughs> waxing yeah 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 um so fun though man well and because what i you know i what, was so bummed when you moved i know i yeah me too but we're still able to keep up these conversations yeah absolutely but the interesting thing is that i i also used to I used to play with you a lot though too, mm -hmm. and you knew that. Pick on me, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, would. I loved it because I knew it's like a all... glutton for punishment, man. Yeah, but at, and at the time I felt like I started to fall back into that trap though of of you're doing this just to make Adam prove his point, hmm. and that's not an okay. That's and like I don't need to prove my point. Exactly, I right? Don't, I don't need to prove my point. It doesn't matter. No, um, but I, but by the way, I never got that impression. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. We, well, we'd hide it in a bottle of scotch. Definitely. And it, yeah. So <laughs> yes. There are a lot of things hidden out there. <laughs> Most of them not good. <laughs> a lot of darkness yeah. down there. Yeah. But then you know. But then <laughs> I started. It. <laughs> but then it just. Then it just turned into this thing of where, in a very, in the most friendly way possible. And I know I'm not disrespecting you, but it not just became all. us. Just it became us flexing our egos after a while. Dude, it's so but. We both kind of enjoyed it in like a, like an like an arrogant, youthful sort of absolutely. chauvinistic kind of sense. Yeah, absolutely. I loved that. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get to spit this at him today. Yeah, this and I would think the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of so many other conversations happening between people who would identify as atheist oh. and and Christians. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like this is happening everywhere all the, all time. the time. All the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Lear learn from us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. Right. Yeah. Right. Playfully is fine. This is such well, good backstory for me, though. This is I love this. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. And so, after that moment, you know, after that happened, and, and it even came more or less like, even after I moved up north, about I guess I've been there for five years now, five or six years. Um, you know, it it still hasn't stopped yet. Like, sure. and that's the beauty of it is that right. is that there's, um, I I I. I would say that I feel like I'm someone at this point in my life of where I feel spiritually and where I feel yes. um, kind of that oneness that I feel like I've 
I'm starting to close the door on deconstruction at the, at this point That's in my so life. That's so cool, man. And that I am in that rebuilding structure. Oh, I love structure. that. We don't get to talk about that enough on yeah. the show. Yeah, and and I think just the way you know the the way to do that is is I first recognize the fact that we talked about with dualistic thinking and dualistic thinking a lot of times is going to lead to those walls and they're going to build up and naturally and then what we're doing is we're sitting there waxing our own egos totally having these really conversations for sure and then you light the whole room on fire and you you know and you you sort sort of deconstruct it right and then that rebuilding to me at its core is only it all it's trying to say is just that hey jason have a much more contemplative mind Hmm, and if you can live your life having a contemplative mind what then happens is all the analysis and all of the judgments and all of that stuff just stops mm, and it yeah. just lets the moment just wash over you and then it's gone and whether it's joy whether it's sadness it doesn't matter mm. none of it none of it is 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 going to stay there everything everything is transient i mean to the point of of where and this is where we'd probably spin off into a science conversation but it would it would turn it you know at its core at its absolute core physics tells us that everything is just energy and vibration yeah. and movement yeah i yep. love that stuff man nothing stays the same everything no. is transient the cells in our bodies you know the uh the just even the, the clothes you're, that you're we a different wear. person sitting here than you were when we started this conversation on a cellular level absolutely yeah. right absolutely right and then when we get wrapped into trying to hold on to like no this is jason at 34 years old this is right. him Right. Like, this is yeah. who I is. What right. I am. Right. I start defining myself. You're trying to pinpoint as, exactly who I am. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not realizing that it's evolving. It's changing. It's moving. Yeah. 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 I mean, really, I just thought of a really another really great, uh, you know, Eckhart Tolle quote. He says something lines of, you know, accept every moment as if you chose it. <laughs> Dang, dude. Right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right. We can't do that. Why, no, why, why that's, can't, why, that's hard, man. Why can't we do that? I mean, that's easy yeah. when it's, you know, uh, you know, an Ohio winter and it's 50 degrees and sunny outside and it's man. beautiful and we're getting a podcast and have a beer and have a great conversation. It's like, yeah, I chose. This is awesome. Dude, mm-hmm. we but have like, we have two examples coming up. Yeah. Uh, two stories that we can't talk about right now that just like, it, it's funny how oftentimes tragedy mm or an injury can force you into being more present in the moment. It's necessary suffering. But right? it's like, mm-hmm. why can't we just do that? Yeah. Right. And often Probably because of our dualistic mind. It's because yeah. of our it's because of these labels. Yeah. Right. It's because of labels. We refuse to see the fact that we are the eyes of the universe observing itself. Ah that's Rollins handle that's, on Twitter. That's Deepak Chopra. That's, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's but, great. Dude, but we that, refuse. That, that we gives refuse me a conniption to see when that. I like yeah. think about that. We refuse that notion. Yeah. Yeah. That we are we are conscious. That's one of the things that just trips me out. If I start thinking about consciousness for too long and like what it is, oh well, dude. Well, you know, it that's because the the rational mind itself it's not interested in anything that it can't label. Right. It does it does it just doesn't care. In fact, the rational mind would go so far in its arrogance to then say what I don't understand is just untrue. Right. Oh, and that's where absolutely. that's where the fights happen. That, yeah, keep oh, going. That's good. That's man. where say that's that, where the that fun, that's that where that the fundamentalists go wrong. That's that where atheists go wrong. That's where people like whoever else, if you want to call them in the middle, go wrong as right. well. Um, yeah, well, keep I'm talking saying, about that. Yeah, say, wait, that again. say that again. No, no, no. You, you said yeah. the rational mind wants to. Well, label. the rational mind isn't interested in anything that it can't label, and that it goes so far in its arrogance to eventually just call things that it can't understand untrue. Moment of silence, please. Mic drop.
that was good juice right yeah, there. Yeah, so so you, you were <laughs> and you were starting to apply that to to both sides though. I and think so. Keep, I think so. Keep going, keep going down that yeah. line. Okay, well that's I good. think yeah, I finish your story and then we'll talk okay, about well, some really nerdy stuff. I also yeah. don't want to. I don't. I, one of the things that I've tried to do in order to kind of do that reconstruction, and I know it's hard because we've talked about the rational mind so much, is that I don't want to put kind of labels and judgments. But uh, an interesting thing that I thought about driving down here we, that we talked about in the car. And I don't want to label and I don't want to offend anybody, but I think what happens is that on the right, fundamentalists, they get too damn caught up in the constructing part of it, mm. right? They want to sit there and they want to build their walls Look and how have much their we laws know. and God hates fags and whatever it is, right. okay, whatever yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, dude, I mean, it's and the, sad and true. But on the flip side of it, the more left side liberal bleeding hearts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you they get too wrapped up in the deconstruction part I, of it. I completely yeah. agree. So I think an important message to get out there is that both are absolutely necessary to to sort of w- to just to wake up. That's what I'm starting to, to realize, up. man. And and the thing is, that is that's the beauty. It's not an of or; this. it's an and. It's yes. an and. It's an and. And one of the things that I also kind of really want to, I guess, kind of stress or talk about is that, you know, I don't I don't throw the word enlightenment around in, in any sort of way in, in trying to say that i am enlightened but i you're have there and we're not it. absolutely yeah, yeah, not yeah, at no, all i know i think though the the reconstruction process after you go through the construction the deconstruction and you begin the reconstruction process all that the reconstruction process is at, at its core is just opening up use whatever more metaphor you want the, the third eye chakras i wrote down a bunch of them whatever there's they are. tons of metaphors <laughs> you out can there call it whatever you can call spirit. it spirit Yes, absolutely. You can just call it whatever you want. Yeah, the soul kind of um, finding its own meaning, whatever whatever it yeah. is. You know, that Christ called it being born again. Yep, yep. Yeah. Right, right. There's, um, oh, I actually found a really interesting quote uh, that, just about like kind of nirvana and how people think about, you know, like enlightenment and nirvana and that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, basically that, you know, nirvana is not lapsing into this sort of tranquil grayness and you're drifting along in this sort of shoreless sea. Nirvana is just seeing, put in italics if you want. It's just seeing that everything is in flux and everything is not permanent and that everything is in a constant state of change and that we experience everything as motion and to not gravitate good, bad, or otherwise to those things. If you're able to kind of see past that point, guess what? Spoiler alert. You just quote enlightened yourself. That's Man. all it is. It's wow. not it's not sitting up in a mountain in, you know, in Tibet and all of a sudden just coming awake. It, it, that's not it. it. That that's really not it at all. I mean, it's I'll stop. Whose quote I, was that? Whose quote I love was that? that, dude. I, I you kind of took Who my breath that? away a little bit on that one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so, so good he uh, cannot be named. Before before we flip the mics on, we were kind of going over some of this stuff you had mentioned which, which kind of shocked and surprised me that there was a a very conservative Christian pastor oh, that yeah, started yeah, yeah. to aid in some of your reconstruction <laughs> in a really weird way. That. And I'm not asking you to share that to like, you know, appease any more fundamentalist listeners. I just found it fascinating. And yeah. I want to hear your Super perspective. And I think everybody would. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, so in that, you know, in that journey, I, when I finally decided to, you know, take it upon myself and I started to ask myself those questions about kind of what's the point of my, kind of spiritual journey why am i even on this why am i looking at analyzing intent or trying to not analyze anything at this point i uh definitely just opened myself up to reading anything and everything that kind of came came down the pike i didn't care if it was far right 
far left, right in the middle. I think you know you're going into a good place when you start to like get there. Well, you know, yeah. and this is to, to me the the beauty of and the the joy and the purpose of reading texts that are outside of your quote normal faith <laughs> is because what you're because what you're able to do at that point is that the the um, pressure of literal meaning is completely lost. Oh, that's good stuff. Man. You know, if you as a Christian sit and read the Bible, you're looking for literal truth. Sure. And you're not going to find anything that, that counters against that. But if you were to sit and read something like the, the Gita, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, um, you can sit and objectively read the Gita without any sort of notion read of it. literal yeah. truth at all. Just yeah. to read it. Yeah. And Just so, to encounter it. And so that was me. I wish more people did read the Bible like Who that. Who was it? There was, was somebody. Take we a were, lit one on one I mean, course. I mean, come on, man. But like, there was somebody recently we were um, we were reading who who lit, who said that it's it's better for those outside of that religion to read the other religions' yes. sacred texts because they don't bring in the baggage and the preconceived Absolutely. notions. Absolutely. I, I know. I can't remember can, who that was either. You're a hundred percent. Everybody's getting we. Uh, yeah, that's it's all blending together now. But I mean, so, but so, well, so you're starting to read more stuff, open yeah. yourself up. Yep. And then I read Tim Keller. Which, which, do you remember which was? Was it Reason for God? It was Reason for God. Okay. The book is a, amazing. It really was. And, and I read it. Humble, graceful. Yeah. And I was able to read it without any sort of judgments. And I also was at a point in my life where I was able, now, if I'd read that book 10 years before I read it, sure. I would have read that book looking for. Oh, arguments. Just like I used to do when I read atheist literature Absolutely. 10 years ago. Yeah, I'd I'm reading C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer and Ravi Zacharias and William Lane Craig. And, oh, yeah, I'll read Nietzsche just so I can pick him apart. Just him Not apart. so I can yeah. encounter him and listen to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, oh, and I so sat, good, man. And I sat and I read, I read Reason for God. And then I got to the part. And I wasn't even a, a self-identified atheist by any point at that, you know, by any means at that point. But uh, I sat and I, I, I remember <laughs> I remember the passage specifically because there's rare moments in my life when I read something and then you read a you read a, a paragraph, you finish a paragraph, and then you just like throw the book. Oh, dude! <laughs> you know, because you're there. just like, ah, you're like, what just ah, happened? He's right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I just totally threw the book. So good for the ego. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's great. And what I actually read was his counter argument against atheism, and it not even necessarily has. To, I, I I took it a step further to say like I actually think you can take this past the point of atheism, Keller, but what you're doing you're getting your point across bring it yeah give it give us your ex, uh you know what he said and then your expansion on it i'd love yeah, to your well, paraphrase well it's it's a strong rationalist argument you know like a lot of people sit and they take these belief systems and they say i'm not going to believe anything and i'll even break this down in pure like yeah, do terms i love this strong rationalists will sit and say i'm not going to believe anything that i can't prove is true right an atheist uses that same logic to say that they won't believe in god but you cannot identify any sort of proof that proves your belief in the disbelief of God. Yeah, it's yeah. circular. It's a complete circular argument. Yeah, it's totally circular. And at circular. that point... Can I say masturbation? Yeah, go Yeah, for you it. can say that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best that. moment we've ever had. That's awesome. Yeah, go on. <laughs> at, at this point, at this, at this point that's, that's just pure masturbation. Yeah. At that point, it is, it's a, it's a self-defeating argument. Yeah, it is. And when I read that, I remember thinking like, well, I guess I'll never be an atheist again, you know, because I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, but well, at the it, same time I, I said, I guess I'm also not going to jump into the other end because, and we can also get to, I guess, the why well, because Jason's it's not a Christian. Sure. It's too certain. You know, the, the, expand the, on it, that. Well, the atheistic argument is like, I'm a hundred percent sure. Right. Yeah. 
and it's like you're too sure. You're too, well, right, your right. your sureness is cutting against your argument. You can know you can no more prove that God does not exist than I can prove to you that God does exist. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. It's just it's silly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I and interestingly it's a enough, argument. In, yeah, completely. In like twelve years of maybe not quite that long. Well, at that point, I've been studying philosophy about twelve years, but in twelve years of of reading philosophy. I had never come across that. You never, you never wow. heard that. Interestingly enough, no. And I, I read a lot of planning. Uh, you, you, mm-hmm. you'd come across plan. He was Notre Dame, right? Yeah, and yeah. He had an argument that, if I can paraphrase it correctly, he had the evolutionary argument against rationalism that if we evolved this ability to reason and ration, and you know all these kinds of things, then to reason and, and use that evolutionary argument to then disprove anything, you're using what you're trying to disprove. You're, you're almost sawing off the limb you're sitting on. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work. Right. And I didn't explain that very well, but that's kind of no, the way I, I process it. <laughs> yeah, no, so it's, if it's anybody wants to read it. more about it, read Tim Keller's Reason for God, obviously. Read Alvin Planning's uh, evolutionary argument against strongly rational. The PDF is free online. Mm-hmm. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. That's what I have to say about that. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> awesome, dude. I, I haven't read I haven't read him in a long time, so if you ask me more questions, I would embarrass myself. No, I, I, I just did embarrass myself, and we're just going <laughs> to leave it on there. <laughs> we're human, man. Sometimes sometimes I, we don't get it perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Most of the time, we don't. That's yeah. what we're all about here. Yeah. Oh, man. Absolutely. Oh. Um, uh, this has been great. I can keep going. I oh, got, dude, go. I got go. What else, <laughs> what else you got? We got to get into some science, too. Yeah, what? yeah. I promise. So, so what are some of the things after this newly sort of, uh, I'll frame it up for you. So yeah. you've got, and for, for the sake of brevity, you've got a newly sort of expanded perspective. You're, you're looking at more things in more ways and your, your ego is now not so dualistic that you're just naturally in bias, just cutting things out and you're, you're opening yourself up to more stuff. Where does it go Absolutely. from there? What yeah. are some of the things that you, that people may have not heard of, or what are some things you can drop on us that you're like, dude, check this out well I think that there are I think that there are certain ways even even sort of past the point of um, even like I guess past the point of of meditation you know there's so many other ways for us to kind of find um, that that level of of discernment that we talked about earlier that sort of that sort of level of of subtlety and kind of Mm. seeing seeing everything while seeing um, nothing at the same time, right? You know, right, so to speak, and and I think you can find it in terms of meditation. I think at its core, prayer itself, yeah, is that. I think what's happened that's a negative is that prayer has become this grocery list of wants and desires. We couldn't agree more, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and I feel like if you find, we're gonna it, do an episode on that. We've got yeah. we've got a stud coming on. I think oh, it's yeah. a very important concept because it's and it's hard because that dualistic rational mind intercedes and it, it takes over and it ruins the moment. And so if it, you know, turning up just a prayer into just a simple, uh, uh, just acceptance, acceptance, or even if you want surrender. to even go as far, yeah, surrender. If you want to go as far to mantra, I mean, I found for me personally, the easiest thing for me was, was, was the, was breath work was focusing on the breath. Oh, and I love and you that, want to man. know, and I'll even give a super simple, the most simple way to begin to shut off the clatter, the clutter, yeah, that or the clutter that's going on inside of your brain is just sit comfortably. You don't have to lay down. You have to sit in a lotus position. None of that's even necessary. Just sit comfortably so you can breathe normally and close your eyes and you inhale through your nose. And when you inhale through your nose, all you say is, I breathe in, I'm aware I'm breathing in. And as you exhale, you just say, 
I breathe out, I'm aware I'm breathing out. And repeat that over and over and over again. And any other thought that comes into your mind, you let it there, you accept it, you welcome it, because it's going to go away. Even if it's this, oh shoot, I gotta pay the bills at five. Oh shoot, I gotta pick the kids up from practice. Oh shoot, my boss really wants this email by tomorrow morning. All those things are gonna shoot into your head. But if you just keep saying to yourself, I breathe in, I'm aware I'm breathing in. Whereas I think what most people would do at that point is, man, I'm sucking at this. I'm just thinking yeah. about all this crap. I'm no good at this. I'm no good at and this. It's just more self-shaming and more like I suck at this and you know, I can't pray and you know, I yeah. You can't you can't meditate right or wrong. You can't pray right or wrong. Mm. You can't, you know, uh, focus on kundalini energy right or wrong. It's just it just is. It is it's purely just putting pure awareness on the present moment. That's all that it is. That is all that it is. In order, the simplest way to touch the divine, to touch those elements of subtlety, are to be present in every single moment. I try and do it with my kids. I try to be a very yeah, conscious, too, awake parent yeah, when I'm around them. That's great. I try to be consciously awake when I'm just, uh, you know, just eating. You know, that's another great way to just do it. I'm consciously awake when, you know, my friend Dave and I, like, we get together and we just have a beer and a conversation, be present in the moment, and you're never going to be perfect at it. Uh, uh, and, and a really very basic, simple, everyday example. This morning, I woke up, and I woke up next to my girlfriend, who I rarely wake up before she does. But I woke up, and she was there, lying there, peacefully asleep. And so I wrapped myself up around her because she's a warm, amazing human being. <laughs> and in that moment, I was just trying to focus on being right there, present in that moment. Mm. And then you know what happened? I started thinking about what the hell am I going to talk about with Adam and John in a few hours? I guess I should get up. I guess I should get up soon and shower and get ready and do all that. And then my girlfriend stirred awake and I realized you just lost that whole moment because oh, wow. you were inside your own head. You, you weren't were somewhere here. else. And it wasn't anything bad or good. I was thinking about what I got to do today, but I lost that moment. And it's a moment that I will never, I will never have that feeling that moment with her ever, ever, ever again. And you want to look oh, at wow. like, um, what a digital exile we're in now from that kind of awareness that I, I have my smartphone yeah. sitting on my lap right now. Yeah. It's always around mm -hmm. the, the boundaries that we, that we have, that we lack from, you know, we work everywhere. You know, mm -hmm. it used to be, you had to drive to the office. Now you, you roll over and turn your cell phone on and you're just working, right? You know, right. the iPad, the laptop, it's just insane. And right. so what you're saying, uh, and the book that made that clear to me was a Jewish mystic named Abraham Joshua Heschel in his book on the Sabbath, when he started to talk about the Sabbath as spiritual space, not just a day, not just a rule, but boundaries mm -hmm. that become sacred so you can learn to be present. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's, you know, and you everyone know, needs to read this book. It's like 90 pages and it'll blow your gourd off. And you know what it is? Just, just, being, just being present in that, in that moment, all that you're doing is you are surrendering to, to mystery and, and you're surrendering to things that are endlessly knowable. And uh, once you are able to surrender to that, uh, to that exact moment, you're going to keep finding new levels. You're going to keep uh, finding different oh, places. And, so good. And, you know, in our, in our human life, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to achieve just all of a sudden you meet me and just like, oh, yeah, Jay, he's totally blissed out all the time. I'm never. <laughs> he's like the dude. I'm never going to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to be that way. I, I frankly 
because I am I am still inside of my rational mind, my dualistic thinking mind. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be blissed out. Yeah. I like having a beer. I like watching comic book movies. I like geeking out on, you know, video games and board games or whatever. It's okay. It's totally okay. It's good. It's you. It's here. It is part of presence. It is. It is. And there's I feel like in our Western world, it is very possible to do both. But you have to be very conscious. You, it takes a lot more deliberate. That's you know, just it. You have to be deliberate and intentional. That's my it's word for the year. Deliberate intent. I've yes. got I've got a few friends that uh, early in the year we were talking, and I was just like, you know, this year when you ask me how I'm doing, say, Adam, are you being intentional? Are you being deliberate? Mm-hmm. Are you just getting caught up in the stream and just letting it carry you anywhere? You know, one of the guys that blew our minds this week, he's like, you either become aware and deliberate and live your own journey, or you will get carried in in through other people's journeys. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get swept up by everybody else. Yeah. Because the currents are all around us. And then you're not living your own authentic life at that point. All right. right. Talk about the water crystals. Talk about the water crystals. (laughs) Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end by blowing some minds on the water crystals. Talk about freakishly cool, weird water crystals. Well, I first I guess I should first preface it, you know, just by saying that as as I said earlier, you know, at its core root, um, science tells us that all matter everything everything be you know beyond matter but everything is just energy and vibration yeah. at its core right we're all in agreement of that and they're point. trying to get there with like string theory now too yeah there's lots of ways yeah and quantum physics by using thought experiments of multiple world theories quantum yeah, yeah, yeah. suicide yep. theory yep. all these sorts of things are basically just opening up doors into how we see the world and in, in vibrations <laughs> yeah um you know one of the things that i've been studying a lot of is is in regards to just how we manipulate these frequencies and how we can see, you know, what's there. These All these little vibrations. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm a musician. And so one of the things that I, I just easily gravitate towards and things I understand is vibrational energy in sure. that regard. Yeah, how music makes you feel. How music makes you feel. How it changes right. the space. How it, yeah. Completely. Yeah. And uh, I've been recently doing a lot of research on just the 432 hertz of, of waveforms and, and frequencies. For all us non-musicians. Yeah, you know, I can what? I can talk about this for a minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tired for a loud, a loud, it. a loud minute. Um, so basically, it's kind of thinking of in terms of kind of tuning yourself to kind of the heartbeat of of the of existence. Um, to kind of understand 432 hertz, I'll dive in a little bit and first kind of understand about Go. another frequency, which would be eight hertz. Okay. Um, eight hertz itself is kind of the fundamental beat of of the universe. Um, Schumann, who was a physicist, Winifred Otto Schumann, yeah. back in 1952, um, he coined the eight hertz frequency as as the Schumann resonance, and basically it's a global like electromagnetic resonance that has its origin in these electrical discharges of lightning within the cavities between Earth's surfaces and the ionosphere. Okay, he was able to actually pinpoint them. And the, the cavities themselves resonate with these electromagnetic waves in these really low frequencies of 8 hertz. Wow. So he then rationalized. So it's, all, it's around us it's all around the time. Us. So he kind of re- rationalized to put it in label terms. Like that's kind of the heartbeat of the universe. That's everywhere. That's completely It's a everywhere. frequency that we're always being exposed to, that we're being set towards, that's mm-hmm. around us all the time. Yeah. And the ordinary, quote unquote, thought waves that we create within our human brains, they range anywhere from 14 hertz to 40 hertz. And this range only includes certain types of dendrites that belong to brain cells, and they're predominantly within the left brain, <laughs> which is basically the center of activity. Okay. Now, to take it one step further, if both it. if those two hemispheres are synchronized with each other at eight hertz, then they move much more harmoniously with a kind of a maximum flow of information. 
And being that the brain naturally does combine hertz at 14 and 40, we can hit that beautiful realm of 16 when both are vibrating that way because they're working together, right? So, in other words, <laughs> if I've lost anybody, I love it, if dude. I've lost anybody, I, I can stop. I don't care if you've lost Keep anybody. Going. This is right. going. Gorgeous. So, in other words, the frequency of 8 hertz kind of seems to be the key right to a full and a sovereign activation potential of our brain that's okay. kind of what that's kind of what what we're looking for so 8 hertz is also found in the double helix of a dna replication so melatonin for example works um, on the dna and it includes the 8 hertz symbol uh, in order to enable mitosis and DNA replication. So, so that, this is life. That this eight, is life at its most that, fundamental yeah, building block Waveform. These are happening. The, these resonance and vibrations Not only is eight, eight hertz all around us, it's in us and through us. Completely. Now, the beauty is that 432 hertz, which I'm going to talk about, it also resonates with the frequency of eight hertz. Um, so I'm going to get like kind of music theory, but I'm going to try and Go, keep it. Do all it. right, I'm going to keep what I can. <laughs> so on a musical scale, okay, where the note A the note A, it has a frequency of 440 hertz. Okay. Normally, right? I didn't know the that. The note C is about 261 hertz. And, but on the other hand, if we take eight hertz as our starting point and we work upwards by five octaves, so which are the seven notes in the scale five times. Right, right, right. Okay. Uh, we reach a frequency of 256 hertz in whose scale the note A has a frequency of 432 hertz. That's just like, just, just theory math. That's us using the numbers to get to where. So you to where start we want at eight hertz, go seven octaves up, and hit A, mm -hmm. and you're at four thirty-two. Four thirty-two, as opposed to the normal standard tuning of four forty, where we then try and back down as we don't get to. Now, according to harmonic principle, by which any produced sound automatically resonates all the other multiples of that frequency. Right, right, right. So you hit one note on the piano, and you put your ear down. You can hear the other ones. Other resonating. frequencies that are resonating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I remember doing that as a kid. Exactly right. Uh, so when we play C at 256 hertz the c of all the other octaves also begins to vibrate in sympathy with it so naturally the frequency of eight hertz is also sounding oh man that's that so right? cool wow so this is why together with a lot of other mathematical reasons the musical pitch tuned to 432 oscillations per second is known as scientific tuning huh. all right now the tuning was unanimously approved in the congress of italian musicians back in 1881 and it was recommended by physicists uh, Joseph Saver and Felix Savart, as well as um, Italian scientists by the name of uh, Bartholomew Landy, I think was his name. Um, but in contrast, though, and this is where it sort of I don't want to dive into the realm of like conspiracy theory at all, but it's <laughs> thought that standard tuning, 440 hertz standard tuning, actually rose out of Nazi Germany. And that they, Whoa, and, interesting. That, and that in the time, in the times when, when sort of Hitler was coming to power, uh, he was having people. Uh, musicians and composers compose propaganda based music to the tune of 440 hertz because what they discovered is that it formed a lot more aggression and it formed a lot more angst and anxiety grab a gun. within within people and wow. they're much more willing to just listen for something else to told what to be do rather than having this scientific frequency of 432 which is a much more harmonious almost puts you at ease absolutely yeah, it, yeah. yeah completely completely kind of puts you at ease and so what what we've sort of found i say we because my my band has experimented a little bit with it as well and i've done it on my own just as my own musician in my own bedroom you know is tuning things to 432 hertz just and all that that's doing is it puts you at a very interesting place internally where it resonates completely different inside your body you don't only hear the music differently you feel things a lot differently as well and what i'm and you've experienced this completely 100%. Oh man, that's cool. 100%. And what I what I found that it's doing is all that that does. Now that's all fine and dandy and I talked really nerdy for a long time, 
But at its core, all it's basically saying is just that, hey, there is a natural frequency that exists without in, in, in this universe, in this beyond the universe, worlds upon worlds. And when we do things to actively not seek it out, we are not doing ourselves any favors whatsoever, right? So there's other artists that have come out and um, tried to capture this kind of bass frequency that's beyond the scope of music and beyond what we listen to. And one of the guys that I really like is a photographer named uh, Masuri Moto. He's a Japanese photographer. And what he does is he just he died a couple years ago, I think, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Like 2014. Cause I was like, Oh, we need to get this guy on the show. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's going to be hard. Yeah. yeah. Just take some water samples. Maybe he'll talk to you. Uh, seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Based on his research, right? <laughs> Light some candles, get a Ouija board. <laughs> Summon him from the spirit dimension. Yeah, yeah. Summon him from the spirit dimension. Um, <laughs> you know, this is one of the things, and I, this is a quick this little. This guy's cool. Yeah, talk. But about this, this no, this is like a quick diversion. One of the things that I, I love about kind of diving into this sort of stuff is that there, it's it's hilarious to me. Like at its core, all of it is because you know uh, there's nothing funnier than than truth at all. There isn't. That's and why it's, comedy is always. And it, it's and it's amazing. Speak so like truth. I can yeah. sit and talk about, and I'm sure people rolled their eyes listening. Like, what is this guy talking about with hertz and frequencies? I have no idea. And that's fine. Laugh because it's hilarious. It is hilarious. What we do is we blind ourselves to things that are out there, and then we shut it down. But so I, I appreciate the fact that we laugh about the fact that laugh. he can talk to us from crazy. the world. Yeah, but so what? What he did is uh, he would take water samples from all over parts of the world, and then he would freeze them. And then after they became frozen, he would take them out and put them under um, really high resolution microscope. And as the water began to melt, the crystals that had formed on top of it, as they melt, also began to continuously expand in a Fibonacci sequence space, like the law of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Math of God, if you want. Golden ratio. Right. And they formed just these absolutely exquisite, aesthetically perfect formations and water crystals. And he discovered that, you know, these things in nature in this natural frequency of, of eight hertz untouched and left to its own devices is pure perfection from our own aesthetic mind and our own Just the way look at it it's gorgeous the only way that our brains can find this it, it the only way our brains can rationalize it is to see it and it's, it's rationally form. chaotic yeah oh but yeah it's, but it's it's beautiful and harmonious it's aesthetically beautiful i mean what so then so then what he did is he took it a step farther and this is where it gets really fascinating so then he began doing um taking photographs of these really gorgeous crystals and then he began experimenting with them. And what he would do is he would take a crystal and he would photograph it. And then over the next few minutes, he would just speak hate speech to it. I hate you. You're so ugly. You're not worth it. Why do I even bother with you? You're terrible. You should just die. You have no purpose here. That kind of stuff. Really hateful stuff. I just got really depressed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to explain why. I'm going to explain why. So what he did then is he then re-photographed the same samples of water. And every single image that he took, the water crystals became completely distorted, mm. no longer harmonious. The entire, the entire Fibonacci sequence just ruined. What? Nothing looked, nothing, everything looked completely out of sync. Then he did it another way and he took water samples from the Fukushima reactor meltdown in Japan. And then he took these samples, photographed them. They were very disharmonious. They were very non-aesthetically pleasing. They were just frankly kind of deteriorating. Ugly. Yeah, they were dying, right? And then he had monks pray over them for 12 hours and photograph the same water crystals. Get out of oh, here. And he okay. saw these perfect, harmonious crystals Get out of here. reform again. 
his, drop the mic. His point. No, his his <laughs> drop point. Drop the mic. <laughs> this is this is where I this is where I take my my meaning from from seeing things like that. Okay, is that for for one, our our own bodies at birth are more than sixty percent water. Yeah. Okay. The percentage of water throughout our bodies remains high throughout our entire life, depending yes. upon our weight and my body son type, will tell you that he's very fascinated by that right yeah. now. My four and a half year old. Yeah. The yeah. Earth's surface is also well over sixty percent water, right? And now we can see before our very own eyes with the work of Emoto that water is far from inanimate, but it's actually alive and it's responsive to these frequencies, to these thoughts, to these emotions, to these vibrations. And perhaps even seeing this, we can finally begin to just really understand the awesome power that we as our own selves possess through choosing our thoughts and choosing our intents and choosing our actions. And by doing so, we can begin to heal ourselves. We can begin to heal the earth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just just that simple experiment in just our own intent. Imagine you had you had made. I don't even think you're even joking when I said those words of how you said you were like. I feel kind of depressed. I wasn't joking. I was like, I all of a sudden feel a little glum. And yeah. I and I stare. You know, and interestingly enough, I didn't stare you looking in the eye. I looked no. right at the floor when I said yeah, it. Yeah, you did. If you but, had looked me in the eye, I probably would have started to weep. Yeah, but it's just his. <laughs> yeah, you know, what I mean, like the mean. Please do that. Yeah, you should do that. Please start crying. <laughs> but I find that, that the meaning that we're able to pull from something like like Emoto's artwork and his experiment. And the other beautiful thing is that he, his entire life, he said, I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a spiritual. I'm not a mystic. I'm, yes, I'm an are, artist. Man. He was only, he was just trying to capture the, the aesthetic beauty that exists. Yes. And also he how to avoid the labels too. So people yeah, actually see it. See it. And right. also yeah. how, how our own intent um, affects everything around us. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> gosh, oh, that's, that's good. good, man. Yeah. So um, I think we've got to have yeah. Jason back. What do you think? Yeah, I think we've got a lot more to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> we we had talked about all the science we were going to get into. And we, we didn't like, know we were going to do a time. Jason Dunlap series. Yeah. I didn't even touch, yeah, didn't even touch on the yeah. science. Um, yeah, I, I think. And also, I uh, you know. But I think, wait, one thing. Because yeah. when you were talking about this guy, I felt very spiritual when I was reading through Brian Greene's Fabric of the Cosmos. Mm-hmm. or oh, elegant yeah. universe when Absolutely. you start to get beyond newtonian physics and you start to get beyond and you start to see that there is interconnectedness there is there is both resolution and irresolution there is more you know what you're seeing at that there's point there's transcendence well you're also finally seeing your past truth and non-truth your past being and non-being that's what i'm saying man you're it's beyond very, that you're beyond it the only word i can use and even though it's a metaphor pointing to a mystery is spiritual it to me yeah. it's a metaphor pointing to a mystery it, yeah but that is spiritual to me that's how that's how i would start that is beautiful yeah, yeah. and that is mystery like i said before mystery is what is endlessly knowable ah man that's good i'm just I think that's the only appropriate way to end this. Yeah, right? dude, we gotta we gotta we gotta wrap this up. But we apologize so for all of the brain matter over all of the cars and gyms yeah. and and cubicles and <laughs> brought, brought to you by our first sponsor, Tylenol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right on, right on. No, thank thank you guys for having me. I um something that I. I appreciate about you know seeing something like this is that this is a dialogue I don't mean just me specifically I just mean the the actual dialogue that you two are doing with the show is very necessary and it's it's Thanks, something man. that oh, thank you I really mean that it's something that needs to be happening and that if we can just start doing all, all of our own part to just yes wake up just a little bit just yes. see that yeah. infinitesimal Part glance. participate yeah just participate yeah just jump into the dialogue and 
And coming at it from knowing nothing is a beautiful place. But yes, I think everyone that comes into it, you have already constructed your own belief system, which is great because it's necessary. Right. But then you got to light the whole damn thing on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think as we've been so trying to, to recommend to people, please go to the forum, Deconstructionist Anonymous, on our website, um, deconstructionist.com. The deconstructionist.com. Yeah. Um, go to the the uh, uh, the forum and continue this discussion. Yes. We want to see the questions that you guys have uh, that that spawn from this and uh, continue to talk to each other and and uh, oh, go ahead. You have one more point. Well, I'd I'd like to ask you guys too to things we talked about. I think a lot of it had to do with like visual representations of photographs and the frequencies and that kind of stuff. I'll send you guys some photos that you should post. Oh, we'll put just oh, kind of we'll his work. Awesome. We'll put it yeah. up on the blog and on the. Uh, I don't I don't know that we can put it on the iTunes like show notes. But everything that we have in iTunes has a blog on our website, www.thedeconstructionists.com. We will, you get that to us, we'll get it up. Um, some of the books you recommended, some of the thinkers uh, that we talked about, um, we'll have a juicy, juicy show notes here. Um, maybe you can even yeah. upload this uh, Tolstoy-esque uh, outline that you have <laughs> wrote, that you're wrote, working with. I wrote a lot. <laughs> Just take a picture of him covered in his notes. Uh, do, we, do we have the ability to accept donations yet since we're starting to spend all of our wife's uh, money here we, on this podcast? We do. Um, we're going to be upgrading that shortly. Uh, hopefully by the, the end of this weekend, by the time this, this episode airs, uh, we'll be able to accept uh, all major credit cards. If they feel so compelled to yes. buy us a beer... <laughs> or help us pay for these mics or whatever. All this equipment yeah. and all the money that we spent. So, um, yeah, <laughs> go to our website. Um, we actually have a, a PayPal account that you can you can pay through now. But by the time this episode airs, uh, we'll be able to accept um, all major credit cards uh, yep. through through a, a square page. Um, also, we have a huge live event coming up. Guys, we only have a few tickets left. Seriously. Um, go to the live few. event tab on our website. And um, they're only five bucks a piece. Um, that's going to get you three amazing bands. Uh, that's going to be Serpent and Dove, Dave, uh, David Carey's band, um, James Truslow, Truslow Music from Truslow Music, and Vespertine. That's yeah. Colin Rigsby from uh, House of Heroes. Exclusive acoustic performances that you'll never so see good. again anywhere else. And plus, what else are we going to be doing? Huge, huge we're, deal. We're going to be videotaping and recording a live podcast event with audience participation. Um, it's, it's going to go up on iTunes on our website. It's going to be, it's going to be YouTube. really cool, man on YouTube. It's going to be really, really cool. You definitely do not want to miss this. And big, big doings. Uh, we, Adam huge. and I just had an exhausting week, Woo! uh, but so fun. We had so many huge, huge people on this week uh, that we can't even talk about yet. I think I stroked out several times, dude. It, I mean, my, I couldn't even remember half of what we talked about. I'm serious, man. It was today. nuts. Um, but Tune in next week. Next week is a monster guest. Uh, so you're not going to want to miss it. A week after this uh, podcast goes up, uh, you know, we will have a huge guest. Um, just super fun, super nice guy, and just blew our minds. And you're not going to want to miss that. Not going to want to miss that. So tune in, and then the Bible series is coming yeah, a week after yeah, that. Yeah, the Holy Scripture series, which is just uh, not what you think it's going to be, and it's going to mess you up. And two two more huge guests uh, tacked on after we oh, get done dude, rambling. Oh, dude, we've got some, <laughs> we got some good stuff. So, so Jason, thank you very much. I hope you'll thank come you back. So Will much. you come back? I would love to. Thank you. This oh, has been, yeah. this dude, has been awesome. Fun. Oh, man, so fun. much fun. Thanks right, a lot. Well, uh, keep deconstructing and reconstructing out there. For now, we are your hosts. I'm Adam Narlock. And I'm John Williamson. Grace and peace, friends.